my guess is that no matter who you are, no matter how you voted, no matter uh, what your week has looked like otherwise during this week, that there's been at least some time during this week where you have not had peace, where your spirit has been agitated by something that you have seen, that something has been troubling or disconcerting to you. And in the midst of that, you might have encountered some other people who were feeling the same way. And uh, they might have voted differently from you. They might have been coming at it from a different perspective. They might have stuff going on in their lives that you didn't know about. But you notice that their spirit was agitated. That's a nice Christian way of talking about that, right? <laughs> they were agitated in their spirit. And that might have made them a little bit uh, difficult to deal with, a little bit uh more, uh, more or less understanding than they might have been otherwise. And uh, so sometimes that's not particularly good for our relationships. Um, so today, I want to talk about how we handle a situation like that, where whether it's within ourselves or how we respond to others, we see that agitation of spirit, that unsettledness, that uh, sense that something is not right and how we deal with that. We're in a series called The Best Advice I Ever Got, and I had a hard time coming up with exactly how to describe this principle that I'm going to share with you, but I will tell you that it has been something that has been very helpful to me in facing a variety of different circumstances where I feel that agitation, that concern, that fear, that sense that things are not as they should be. And so the word that I settled on was the idea of motivation. So we're going to talk about what motivates our actions today. And it's been very helpful because there, there are times where uh, you really need to examine why am I acting the way I am? Why am I responding the way I am? What is at the root of it? What is that root motivation? And this principle will give us some insight into what is driving us and what should be driving us and what perhaps might be the wiser way to approach the situation. But I want to start on kind of a, a positive note, which uh, can be challenging sometimes, but if you look at the bottom of the growth guide on that very first page, and if you haven't grabbed one of these, then please go to the little red tent there and grab one of these, and while you're at it, grab the communion cup as well for later. But uh, here's what I wrote at the bottom. Church, this is your opportunity to shine in the way that you respond to your circumstances and in the way that you respond to others. And I really believe that that is the case. And here's why. As a follower of Jesus, that's not just something that you do. It's not just something uh, that, you, that is a statement of faith. As you become a follower of Jesus, you are uh, totally made new according to the scriptures. You are a new creation. God has put his Holy Spirit within you to empower you, to change you. And 
one of the benefits of that is that you can respond to your circumstances in a literally supernatural way uh, uh, with a power that is unavailable to others and wouldn't make sense if you were looking at it from the outside. And so uh, I gave you some examples of the kind of, of supernatural power and uh, that you can have available to you. And what this will help you to do is to respond gr with grace to the people around you because everybody is going through it in one way or another. If it's not this week, it, next week, people are going to be going through it in one way or another. It might be a whole country. It might be an individual but people are going through it in one way or another. Sometimes it's very obvious, sometimes it's not apparent, but people are going through it. And people need grace. And at those times, people need a little extra grace. And if you think about it, when you are struggling, when your spirit is agitated, when you're concerned or worried, you just need people to deal with you with a little bit more understanding and grace. And that's what people are going through. And the good news is that as a follower of Jesus, you can tap into a source of power, grace, peace, that is unavailable aside from that. So I said, we be, people need a little extra grace, and we can get what we need ourselves and some to share from the source because the fact is that it's not just the people out there or the people that we encounter that need a little extra grace and a little extra power and a little extra peace it's us right we are the ones who need that extra power and grace because we're going through it in one way or another from time to time as well so let me just look at uh, let, me, let me just point out to you some of the benefits of following, of being a follower of Jesus, the things that should be manifesting in our lives. This is what Jesus said in John 14, 27. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. So whatever we're going through, whatever we're facing, whatever comes our way, we can have the gift of peace of mind and heart. And look at the way Jesus describes it. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. In other words, this is a peace that your circumstances and just going through life, you're not going to have apart from Jesus. It is a gift that only he can give. It's a supernatural gift. And then he makes the most amazing, he tells us something that is the most amazing command. So don't be troubled or afraid. So whatever you were carrying as you came in here, if I just came up to you and said, don't be troubled or afraid, and you're like, oh, okay. That's not usually the way it works, right? Just because I say, don't be troubled or afraid doesn't usually fix it. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that so much for that advice. No, that's not the bottom line for today. But it, it just shows you that he is saying, I am giving you the gift of peace of mind and heart. And if you will receive it, then you can accept that and fulfill his command to not be troubled or afraid. 
Then look at what Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Galatia, and he's describing what it's like to have the Holy Spirit living and residing you, and he uses the illustration of fruits. The fruit of the Spirit produces, or, or the way this translation puts it, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So every follower of Jesus, no matter what is going on in their lives, has the power of the Holy Spirit living and residing in them, and it's just going to produce this kind of thing in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's the opportunity that we have. However, we don't always see that, do we? We don't always experience that. And that's where this advice, this principle that we're going to talk about today helps me and I hope will help you as well. Um, the bottom line I am taking directly from the verse where I got it. It's Romans 14, 23, and it says, Anything that does not come from faith is sin. Anything that does not come from faith is sin. And I can't tell you how many times this principle has rescued me and saved me from making a bad decision. Because when these things come up in our lives that agitate us and give us anxiety and cause fear, then uh, it's very easy to sometimes act based on that fear. I've got to do something. I've got to make sure that this doesn't happen, or I've got to make sure that this does happen, or I've got to make sure that this person knows this, or you know, fill in the blank, whatever. If I can step back and examine what's going on in my heart, if my actions are motivated by fear, or as this put, verse puts it, anything other than faith. What are we talking about with faith? We're talking about trust. We're talking about uh, entrusting ourselves to our Heavenly Father, trusting that what he says he's going to do and that he's going to take care and he's going to come through. If I am tempted to act based on something else, fear, anxiety, you fill in the blank, then that's a warning sign to me, right? That I need to examine that and I need to step back because anything that does not come from faith is sin. So the best and foundational motivation for a follower of Jesus is trust in the Lord. And if we act on that, live our lives out of that motivation, find that our actions flow from that trust, then we're on a good path. If we're always going from here to there, trying to put out our fears like little fires in our life, then we're not trusting God, and we're probably going to make some mistakes along the way. I've been studying the Psalms in my personal devotional time, and as I was going through it, I came across Psalm 11. I started at the beginning, and it gave the perfect example of this kind of thing that I'm talking about. I put it in the bulletin at the, at, in the growth guide at the top of the second page. 
under otherwise we may find ourselves being ruled by our fears rather than faith. Uh, This is the introduction to Psalm 11, and it says, In the Lord I take refuge. That idea there is trust. I'm going to take refuge in the Lord. I'm going to run to the Lord. I'm going to place my trust in the Lord. But then he, after making that statement of faith, he's going to go and describe what his circumstances are telling him and what he's hearing from other voices. Uh, And the first one is flee. How can you say to my soul, because I trust in the Lord, how can you say flee? And he uses the example of a bird that flutters away. There was, we have some bushes in front of our yard. I walked down the steps right next to those bushes and I'm not used to this happening. So it kind of startled me, but there were a, a bird or there was a bird or two in the bushes. And as I walked by, it flew out. I jumped, it ran away. We were both afraid and we both acted out of that fear, right? So that's what happens. And, and that's the picture here uh, the, uh, where he's saying, I trust in the Lord. And then people are saying to him, flee, run away, like a little bird flying away. He's like, you can't say that to me. I, my refuge is the Lord. And then he gives more examples. Behold, which means look, the wicked bend the bow. It's like, look, I got reason to be afraid. I should be running away because I've got my enemies bending the bow. They're pointing the gun at me and they're cocking the gun. They're getting ready to shoot me. And then it says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? This is interesting. This is, again, the enemy of faith, the people around him saying, look, the foundations are destroyed. Everything that you've been trusting in, everything that you've built your life on, every principle, every institution that you thought you could trust, it's all gone. The foundations are crumbling. So even if you're in the right, then it still doesn't matter because you can't can't build on crumbled foundations. So that's what the circumstances are saying in this intro to to this psalm. Flee. Your enemies are about to kill you. The foundations are destroyed. You are helpless. But that's simply not the case. And if you go through and read the rest of the psalm, you see him working through the implications of the Lord being his refuge. But that's how we feel sometimes, and that's how that those are the voices that we hear. So how do we get in a place where our fears are not the driving motivation, because that's ultimately what we're talking about. Uh, We're talking about fears. They're manifested in a lot of different ways. Um, This is from an article a pastor wrote about our current situation, that uh, we are divided, we are concerned, we are afraid because we fear loss. We're afraid of losing control, safety, power, opportunity, status, rights, freedom. Some people are fearing what might happen. Others are fearing what has already happened and what might happen next. And we all fear the unknown. So how do we get into a situation where we're not driven by our fears, but our motivation is our trust and faith in the Lord? And that's where I want to look at Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. Now, in the, the letter to the Colossians, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, 
he's coming to his conclusion, and he's just talked about how we're supposed to interact within the household of faith and applying that to a variety of different circumstances. And now, before he closes the letter, he wants to encourage his readers, his congregation, to how they should act when it comes to outsiders. Remember, I feel like we have a great opportunity because we can show what it's like to follow Jesus in uncertain and difficult times, and we can share that with others. And so that's what the Apostle Paul is doing. He's saying, I want to, I want to give you some insights into how you can uh, live wisely in front of others. And there are going to be three things that he puts there to pray which is getting faith. Remember, anything that does not come from faith is sin. So we're going to talk about faith. How do we get faith? Well, we have to pray. We have to be in constant communion and communication with our Heavenly Father. And then we're going to walk, which is living out our faith. And then we're going to talk, which is sharing our faith. So let's look at it together, and then we'll uh, go through those three different segments in this short passage. Colossians 4, 2-6, New Living Translation. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Verse 5, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response to everyone. This is interesting because I noticed that when I was thinking through, um, you know, what are, the, what are the actions that we as believers should do? Uh, what are the core activities and I thought about Jesus example and when Jesus was walking on the earth he made it a point to pray he was always going off on his own to commune with his heavenly father that was the foundational discipline in his life and then he would go around meeting needs primarily healing he would heal people's diseases he would do stuff for others and then he would also teach he would share the truth and of God's word and if you uh, apply that and you can parallel that to this, pray, devote yourselves to prayer, walk, do, do good stuff, walk wisely among the people, among unbelievers, and then talk, share, teach uh, to uh, your conversation to be gracious and attractive. So that's what I see there. I see the same kind of thing we see in Jesus' life. I see the Apostle Paul prescribing here. So let's first talk about that first one, praying, getting faith. My primary motivation, my primary hope throughout this whole series of the best advice is that I want every single one of you to have an established devotional time where you are regularly, daily reading and responding to God's word. I don't see how you can be uh, following Jesus wholeheartedly and be effective at that if you're not connecting with your Heavenly Father on a regular basis. So that's what he's prescribing here. Devote yourselves to prayer. Uh, you think of prayer as a two-way conversation. It's not just our sharing our heart and our request with God, but it's also hearing from God. That's why reading and responding to his word and praying with an alert mind, as he prescribes here, is so important. 
Uh, I love the Experiencing God study. There are many principles from it that I think of on a regular basis, but one of them has to do with praying and being alert. The idea there is wakefulness, that you're alert, that you're on the lookout. It's not just you sharing what's on your mind, but you're also watching and listening for how God might speak to you. And in Experiencing God, there's the principle in that study called pray and watch what happens next. I love that, and it's been so helpful because the, the point there is when you pray, you should expect something to happen. You should expect an answer. You're not just shooting skies into the, shooting prayers into the great unknown. You are praying to your Heavenly Father, and you should expect a response. So when you pray, then watch what happens next. See what thoughts come to mind. See what circumstances happen because God is most likely going to answer your prayer, and so we pray with alertness. And then he says also with a thankful heart. I think part of that is that when we do get those prayers answered, that we should express our thankfulness. But here, I think a big part of this is for our benefit and for building our faith. When we pray with thanksgiving, when we pray with thankful hearts, what we're doing is we're looking back over the past and being reminded of all the things that God has done up to this point. What's that going to do for us? It's going to build our faith because we can see the answered prayers that have built up over time. So we pray. If we're going to make wise decisions, not be motivated by our fear, we have to hear from our Heavenly Father. Uh, I was thinking this morning as I was getting ready, I made it a point not to delve too much into the news. I've been checking news like a junkie over the last week and a half. But today I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just listen to praise and worship music. And that made a huge impact on my heart and mind as I went into today. When you connect with your heavenly father, when you hear from him, and this is why one of the reasons why I know the Lord is real. He, he often speaks to me in ways that I wasn't expecting. And if it were up to me, I wouldn't have said that to me. Okay. But that, that's what happens. He resets us. So we devote ourselves to prayer. You see the same kind of thing in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Remember we said we want peace. If we're going to have supernatural peace, here's a, a one place that that's described. Don't be anxious about anything. I love these, you know, don't, don't be anxious. Just don't. Well, how? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, there's a thanksgiving again, present your request to God, and what will happen? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it doesn't even make sense from the world's perspective, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then after that, he encourages the church to pray for him. Pray for us too, so that God will give us many opportunities to speak about this mysterious plan concerning Christ. Now, often the Apostle Paul had the habit of describing the gospel, the story of Jesus, as the mystery. And it's not that it's hidden, it's not that it, we can't understand it. He's just pointing out that up until the time that Christ came, we didn't understand what God's plan was. There were hints of it, but we didn't really know it in full. Now the mystery has been revealed because Christ has come. So it's not that we can't know it. It's that people didn't know it, but now it is made clear. So he's saying we're going to be a people on mission 
with a message. So pray that God will give us these many opportunities, literally an open door to speak about this mysterious plan. And then he says, pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. When we are in situations like this, we can get wrapped up in what's going on in our world or in our world, what's going on in our world. This is a reminder that whatever is going on, whatever was going on in the Apostle Paul's world, he was under house arrest. Notice that he said he was in chains. He's writing to churches that he can't meet personally. Therefore, as a result, think of the things that he could have asked for. Pray that I'll be released. Pray that I'll have better accommodations. Pray whatever. But no, he says, pray that I'll be on mission. I think that it would help us. It would give us greater direction if we realize that as followers of Jesus, we really only have one mission and to be on mission and to share the message that comes with that. Notice that he says, proclaim, pray that I will proclaim this message clearly as I should, clearly, unencumbered. One of the things that we try to do as a church is make sure that there aren't any unnecessary barriers to people's accepting or at least considering the gospel of Jesus. This isn't a a new problem with us. This has been going on since the beginning of the church. In the beginning of the church, we've talked about how there were different uh, factions and different Uh, people of different religious and political backgrounds. Well, the biggest one was Jew versus Gentile in their day. And so as the gospel became, began to spread among people who were not Jewish, then the question became, do I have to become a Jew before I can become a Christian? And there was this little thing uh, about circumcision that was a big part of that for a certain uh, half of the population. And so they had to deal with that. So they get together in Jerusalem, and they have a council, the first church council, and they're deciding this matter. What, what has to happen in order for a person to become a believer, in order for the person to become a follower of Jesus? And this is the conclusion that they came to. It's Acts 15, verse 19. This is the uh, apostle James speaking who is the leader of the church of Jerusalem. It's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We're going to present the message clearly, and we're not going to make it difficult. We're not going to encumber the gospel with any unnecessary requirements. So whatever your past, however you voted, whatever nationality, ethnicity, you name it, all the different things, socioeconomic, all the different things that we use to separate and to divide our people right now, we're not going to encumber any of that. It's all about Jesus, and it's all about the gospel, and we're not going to confuse any of those other things. So we're going to be a people on mission with a message. That's part of the walk, which is his next emphasis. He says to live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Live wisely among those who are not believers. Make the most of every opportunity. He's talked about opportunities there. Literally, he uses the analogy or the imagery of an open door. 
we have open doors in front of us all the time. And he's saying, take advantage of them. When you have an opportunity, walk through it. I brought my new plant up here, this little evergreen. I like to have a plant in my office. The mums are dying, so I needed to replace it. And I went to Home Depot. And we used to have a much bigger version of that in front of our house as well. It died. And I replaced it. And it died. Uh, so pray for this little plant because it, its history is n not looking too promising. But I saw this and it was a great deal. The last plant that I bought to replace the one at our house was 50 bucks. This was on sale for half price, six bucks. I said, that is a deal. I'm going to grab that. I'm going to put that in my office, replace the mums. And then as I was walking around, I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, that is, that, is, that is a bargain. I'm going to get two of those, increase my chances, plant them in front of, my, uh, in front of the, the house, and hope that at least one of them makes it. What I was doing there was I was taking advantage of the opportunity. And that verse says literally, grab up the bargains. I mean, that's the idea. It's marketplace work. Grab up the bargains. When you see an opportunity, you grab it. That's what I did with my evergreens. That's what we do with the opportunities in front of us. And if we're on mission and we remember what our mission and our message is, when those opportunities come up, we will be able to grab them. This is a time where we should be grabbing up the opportunities. We should have a peace that surpasses all understanding. We should have um, a sense of calm that is not based on what is going on around us and as a result it should bring questions how are how are you like this how why are you not agitated and upset like everyone else and that's the next phase that we are able to talk share our faith let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone Notice that word response. A response is a response. It's in response to what somebody else does. There are other verses that talk about being prepared to give an answer. An answer is given in response to a question. What this implies is that our lives are, living, are being lived in such a way that it causes people to question. How, how are you like this? How, how are you able to do this? How can you live like this? Why are you not responding like everyone else? And when we do, our conversation, the way that we talk, the way that we post, the things that we say should be gracious and attractive, literally full of grace and seasoned with salt. And then to the response for everyone, have the right response for everyone picture as I put it together is that when I have a conversation with you that it should be a gift full of grace the idea the same word that's used for grace is the idea of a gift I'm going to give you a gift in the midst of our conversation it's going to be seasoned with salt it's going to be attractive it's going to be pleasant it's going to you go away from that conversation saying I'd like to have more conversations like that and that it is the right response for everyone. It's tailored to the person. One of the things that we do for birthdays in our household is the person whose birthday it is gets to decide the menu for that day. 
They get to decide what's on the menu, what we're having for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's tailored to the person. What if we looked at every conversation and said, I want to go away from that conversation feeling like that person uh, feels like I gave them a gift, that it was a gift that was seasoned and tailored to me. That's what we're talking about. So to summarize, I feel like despite the fact that there are things in our lives that are going to agitate us and cause us concern, if we will devote ourselves to prayer, interact with, connect with our Heavenly Father on a regular basis, He will fulfill those promises of peace, a supernatural peace, that you will be able to navigate through your life, therefore not motivated by your fears and anxieties, but motivated by that trust in the Lord. As a result, you will experience that peace and you will have grace, extra grace to share with others. In the midst of that, you can be on mission, demonstrating and sharing the message of Jesus and that every interaction that you have with others can be a gift seasoned and tailored specifically to them. So here's my challenge for you. If you don't already have the habit of daily interacting with the Lord, reading and responding to his word, praying, connecting, hearing from him, to do that. There's a link there that will give you resources to that. And then as you, if you've been around for any period of time, know one of the ways that you can get started on that is with the on your own questions. And I almost always at the end use the same question, which is to pray and ask the Lord to show you what you need to know and what you need to do. And as I was preparing the growth guide, it occurred to me, you know, I have a pretty well-established habit of my daily devotions. And I was thinking, what can I do that would reflect what I've read this week? And for me, it was that idea of making every conversation a gift. So if you've already got that established, you're already reading and responding to God's word, you're devoted to prayer, then maybe think about that. How can I make every interaction that the person goes away feeling like, oh, that was a gift. I don't feel like somebody beat me up. I don't feel like somebody was trying to get me to do something or think a certain way or act a certain way. It just felt good to have that conversation. I feel like that was a gift. I feel refreshed. I want to have more conversations with that person. That's what I'm praying for myself this week. And maybe that will have application to you as well.